Dear Patriarchy Podcast, this is the Gaslit Person's Guide to Conquering the Corporate World. We are two sisters armed with facts and statistics, and we're destigmatizing the plight of the working person. It's just me today. Welcome to yet another mini-sode with me, Lisa. Hi. Hope everyone's bearing up, doing okay. I want to take this opportunity to talk briefly about something which gets talked about a lot at very high level, but wasn't 100% sure that everyone understood what we're talking about when we use this term, and that term is eugenics. So eugenics is the scientifically inaccurate theory that humans can be improved through selective breeding of populations. So eugenicists believed that they could perfect human beings and eliminate so-called social ills, in quotes, anything that doesn't align with the current social constructs version of what a normal, in quotes, human being does looks like, acts like, all of that. Eugenicists believe that the use of methods like involuntary sterilization, segregation, and social exclusions would rid society of individuals deemed by them, by the social construct, to be unfit. The implementation of eugenics has caused widespread harm in the United States particularly. It has caused deep and irreparable harm to Black people, people of color, undocumented people, disabled people, and people from the LGBTQIA plus community. So its importance can't be overstated. People need to understand what eugenics is so that they can see it when they hear people talking about it. Because not everybody uses the word eugenics. They tiptoe around it, but eugenics is what they're talking about a lot of the time. There's a lot of right-wing talking points that are very eugenicist in their theory, in their foundation. Another phrase that kind of goes hand in hand with eugenics is scientific racism. So this is an ideology that appropriates the methods and legitimacy of science to argue for the superiority of white Europeans and the inferiority of any people who are not white Europeans and whose social and economic status has always had them historically marginalized within uh, a white European social construct. So Like eugenics and scientific racism grew out of the misappropriation of revolutionary advances in medicine, anatomy, and statistics during the 18th and 19th centuries. So people started to get a little bit carried away with the more information that they had, and they allowed their systemic, racist, deeply white supremacist foundational core to influence the way that they misappropriated the scientific knowledge they were gaining. Oftentimes, scientific racism uses Charles Darwin's theory of evolution through the mechanism of natural selection and also Gregor Mendel's law of inheritance. So survival of the fittest is something uh, that gets thrown around a lot as well. And I have to say also that there is a very, very, very deep well of ableism in this as well. So a lot of these eugenicist theories are looking at getting rid or breeding out what they deem to be people who are not normal. And very often, disabled people are on the receiving end of that. And even now, while we're talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and so many people are trying to stand up and say that abortion is a human right, there is still a tinge of ableism in some of the language that's being used, and it's really damaging and hurtful to disabled communities. 
And I would just urge everyone to really be careful about the language that you're using when you're talking about access to abortion, reasons for abortion, which I think we've talked about. (laughs) You don't need to have a reason. If you need an abortion, you just have it. But I would just urge everyone to be really careful to steer away from using examples to justify abortion that has any kind of an ableist and foundationally eugenicist um, basis to it. So both eugenics and scientific racism pull really strongly from xenophobia, from anti-Semitism, from sexism, from colonialism, from imperialism. It has been used as a justification for the enslavement of black people, particularly in the United States. You can sometimes see people talking about Margaret Sanger when we talk about eugenics. Now, if you don't know, Margaret Sanger was the founder of the modern family planning movement and went on to found Planned Parenthood. While that was a great thing, and while she was working towards offering freedom and bodily autonomy to people who needed it, She also believed in eugenics, which is inherently racist and inherently ableist. Planned Parenthood have made several statements which positions themselves away from Margaret Sanger's eugenicist beliefs, but Planned Parenthood is not the only purveyor of reproductive health care. So there are a lot of options out there. But if you do come across that, that's where that's coming from. I would urge you to look into that. There's a lot of information out there about it because it has been fairly well written about. So so in the wake of the overturning of Roe versus Wade, there have been a lot of angry comments from people who don't want to have their bodily autonomy stripped from them saying that because unwanted pregnancies are 100% perpetrated by men, which that language is incorrect. These are the kind of comments that are going around that All men, boys and men, should be given vasectomies, which are reversible, until they're deemed to be fit to be a father, which is such a slippery slope. (laughs) Because what we're talking about is we're not talking about just a little thing that has no history in the United States whatsoever. We're talking about forced sterilization. Forced sterilization has a long and storied history in the United States. And it's absolutely incredible that more people don't know about this. I know that when we talk about forced sterilization. We talk about it like it happened a long time ago. So disabled people in 34 states as of today have no protection against forced sterilization. It can still be pushed upon them without their consent. So there's that. Undocumented women that were held in ICE custody, and this could still be happening. There was a whistleblower, um, a nurse Uh, in these ICE custody facilities who said that these women were having involuntary hysterectomies performed on them. That is forced sterilization. Again, from the 1960s to the 1970s, the Indian Health Service sterilized nearly 25% of the entire native indigenous population of women. And nearly a third of the women in Puerto Rico were coerced into sterilization between the 1930s and the 1970s. Throughout the 20th century, Over 70,000 women were sterilized in over 30 states, and these were, as expected, overwhelmingly working-class Black women and women of color. So if you know who the civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer was, she was subjected to a forced sterilization, and she spoke out about them quite frequently. They were so commonplace for Black women, they were called Mississippi appendectomies. And going even further back from 1910 to 1920 in California, there was something called the asexualization acts, 
where 20,000 black and Mexican people were sterilized because they were deemed to be mentally ill. Those asexual, asexualization acts of California were what inspired Hitler and the Nazis to create their own genocidal eugenics policies. So I would caution anyone pushing the involuntary vasectomies on boys and men until they're deemed to be fit to be a father, because who deems them to be fit? If it's a government, whether that's federal, whether that's state, whether that's local, is it their jurisdiction? Because we know that those systems, those government bodies, those governing bodies are systemically racist. We know that they're systemically ableist. We know that we still allow forced sterilization to take place in the United States. So I want to urge people to be really, really careful with the language that they use as we move forward in this post-row world, which is a heartbreaking time, but it is the reality that we're in right now. And we don't need to take a step back. We don't need to demand things as a reversal of what has been done to others before us. And in particular, done to Black communities, communities of color, Indigenous communities, undocumented communities, disabled communities, LGBTQIA plus communities. Globally, not just in the United States, there has been a history of forcibly sterilizing members of the LGBTQIA plus communities as a recourse for being found out that they were gay, trans, or any other sexual identity. And this was at a time when being gay, being anything other than a cis-het person was outlawed. So just really important to be careful about language and the things that we say and the impact that has. And also, if you didn't know about this, the sterilization, the history is all there. I would urge you to look into it if you don't know about it. If you're interested in it and you want to learn more, there's so much out there. We'll put the links of what I've talked about today on the show notes so that you can have a look. And I hope that this little mini sewed gives you some information that you may have already had but just needed to understand a bit more or potentially something that you didn't know much about. But education is so important right now. Our language is so important right now. Language matters. We've come out of a period of time when people were allowed to not care if their words and their actions were harming people. And all of this conversation about being woke, don't let that deter you from what it really is, is that people that don't really care about the human rights, the equity, protection of the most oppressed, the most marginalized communities. They don't care about that. And when they see people who do care and who do want to make sure that there is space for everyone and who do want to make sure that the spaces that exist are not just open for invitation of anyone, but also built with those people in mind. Because so much of our foundation, particularly in the United States, particularly in the UK, particularly in Canada, any white-centric country which has deposed and committed genocide of the indigenous population and then been involved in, contributed to, profited off of the transatlantic slave trade, these nations are built on systemically racist, systemically prejudiced uh, foundations. And those are not easy to break up and reshape. So just know that all these little bits of education that we're getting and we're giving and we're sharing, it is a lot, but it's what needs to happen to get to the next place. So I hope that you'll stay with us on the journey. I hope that you've enjoyed this talk and I really hope you'll join us next week for our next episode. Jenny will be back and it will be our last one of the series before we start series four. So it's a very exciting time and you can follow us on 
Instagram and TikTok. We're Dear Patriarchy Pod on Twitter, and we're very poor on Facebook, to be fair. So Instagram and TikTok are really the best places to catch us. If you want to drop us a line, drop us a line at patriarchypod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. Love, light, and good night.